0: Well, the Lord has uh, something important to say to all of us tonight. And I, I would hope that you would come with an open heart and mind and be ready to receive that. And if you will, for consideration, I'd like for you to turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 11. And I am going to read verse number 34. You'll find a sister passage to this in Matthew chapter 6, 22 and 23. For the sake of time, we'll just read from Luke, uh, the 11th chapter, verse number 34. And it reads like this. The light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when thine eye is single, thy whole body is full of light. But when thine eye is evil, the body also is full of darkness. Quite a statement that the Lord makes and pronounces upon the human life. The light of the body is the eye. The window to life. And therefore, when that window is clear, that's what the word single means. Undisturbed, undistorted. When it is undivided, then the whole body, everybody say the whole body. The whole body is full of light. But when thine eye is evil, the word is foggy or cloudy. When it is smudged or smoke has filled um, the, the, the room, then the body also is full of darkness. And with that, I want to talk to you for a little while tonight about cleaning the windows of life. Everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I preached here Sunday night <clears throat> to the congregation about the importance of us getting back to the right standard of measure for life. It is not good that we would measure ourselves with ourselves, and it's certainly not good that we would compare ourselves with others. That's always a dangerous way to live. And that has been, as far as I'm concerned, the unraveling of our churches, unraveling of our nation. It's when we lose sight of the true standard and we begin to look at one another and when we begin to look at one another and just try to be better than somebody else, we're in trouble. Amen. Because none of us are really that good. Amen. None of us are really that good. Now some of you think, Brother Hughes, that offends me, but the truth is, all of us have flesh. And if it had not been and was not for the grace of God, there is no telling what we would be tonight. As a matter of fact, I promise you, you wouldn't want to know me if you didn't know me by the grace of God. It's because we're all capable. We're we're capable of doing what those men have done uh, in various uh, locales of murdering people wholesale. You look at that and you... You see a young man with this uh, crazy look in his eye and you think how sad. But the truth is, there go you and I, but by the grace of God. All of us have had breaking points in our life when we could have easily gone over the edge, but God kept us and we're thankful for that tonight. So it's not good. And so greater life, I am calling on us. I'm calling on this congregation and I'm going to continue to repeat that over the next few weeks, let's get our eyes back on the Lord. Amen. Let's get our eyes back on the true standard by which we should measure life and measure our life. And as I've thought about Sunday night, I uh, could not help but remember one of the most valuable lessons that I learned early in my life of carpentry. Uh, I don't remember exactly how many years ago, but it was a long, long time ago. But how quickly I learned that the keeping of a pattern was critical to sound building. I don't remember who it was. It may have been my brother James or someone else that I was connected to. But if my memory serves me correctly, we were uh, putting up rafters and I had never done anything like that and so that person was showing me how that you determine the angle uh, depending on the pitch of the roof how you determine the angle uh, of, of the two by six or two by eight whatever you're using and how you measure down and and then you make what they call the bird's mouth, which is the cutout sits on the top of the 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 wall studs, and and then you cut off the ends so that it can be smooth uh, when when the facade is put on it. And uh, he measured out the first two by six and got it all ready and said, "All right, you cut them and I'll nail them." And so I got the saw out and I started working. I cut the first one out. And then I measured my second one by the first one. And without even thinking of how important it was, I picked that original one up and handed it to him. And I started cutting out my next one. And so when I got through cutting out my next one, I measured, I, I, I marked off the next two by six and I handed him the one I had just cut. And you know how the story goes. It wasn't long until he started hollering me, Hey, 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 before I ruin too much material, Hey, stop, something's wrong. They're not coming out right. And the more I cut, the shorter they got. It's Like my dad said, you cut three times and it's still too short. And uh, I learned that day how critical it is to keep the original pattern. And in life, sometimes we can get so busy living that we forget that. And so we start measuring by whatever we can get our hands on. And oftentimes, our measurement of life is not correct. And it is imperative if we are going to build a sound building and we are going to have something that looks right and is right, then we're going to have to learn again the importance of going back to the pattern that was given to us and making our life measured by that pattern. And I I know that there's a lot of talk today about uh about Uh, uh, moderation and there's a lot of talk today about enlightenment. People have a new revelation. They, They have a new understanding of scripture and so far most of what I've heard as enlightenment is just an old delusion. It's just an old lie that's been remanufactured and presented in a new form. It's much like the commercial world that we live in right now. If if you'll just take note of it, you'll see what I'm talking about. But how many times have you gone into the grocery store looking for an item that you have always purchased and you've not been able to find it or at First, you weren't able to find it because they had repackaged it and relabeled it. They had put a new color to it. So that they, they say in the, in the industry that if you're going to keep people in, or, or, or interested in your product, you've constantly got to be new and improved. Well, that may be good for Doritos and crackers and Cheetos and candy and canned goods, but it's not good for my soul. What I need from my soul is something that has been steadfast and sure, and it may not be packaged the way I like it to be packaged, but if I will take that word and I will bring it into my life and incorporate it into my life, it will make all the difference in the world. And somebody said, Amen. Oh, how important a pattern is and staying with that pattern. My text tonight reiterates a critical truth that I want us to consider for just a few moments. Jesus, in speaking to his disciples and the multitude, spoke about a window. He talked about uh, an avenue into an individual's life. That every one of us have uh, an avenue through which light and understanding and revelation comes. That light he spoke of or that window he referred to was an eye. The eye is of great use to all of us and it is important to life because it is through the eye and the ability to see with the eye that we find direction and we find enjoyment in life. And it is the eye which is the organ of discernment and it is the ministry of vision and he likened the eye to a window he used the terminology lamp but uh, in our modern vernacular it would be more in line to refer to it as a window that the eye is a window through which light comes in and the the light that comes in is affected by that window and the capacity to see and the capacity to understand life is affected by the window. That capacity to see can be impaired, it can be healthy, or it can be diseased depending on the condition of the window. But the resulting effect is damaging and it is eternal. And so The teaching of the Lord underscores the critical nature of the condition of the window of our life. In the window or in this lamp, if it is clear and if it is clean, then we see things correctly and we make good judgments and we make proper decisions. But when that window becomes cloudy or it is covered over by some kind of film then we only see partially and when you see in partial light how often we make incorrect decisions and we make incorrect judgments Jesus taught that when the lamp of the soul is healthy and it is as it ought to be then what comes into my life and what goes out of my life is a good thing. But when that window is unhealthy or when my, 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 my eye in life becomes uh, darkened by some means, then my life will be affected in a very negative way. Everything we see in life depends on the condition of the lamp. Everything that we see in life depends on the condition of the window. How we look at life is affected by the window of our own soul. I I, I deal with people every day and it's amazing how many people that I run into in life that are bitter and that are angry toward life and when you try to find out what's wrong with them they just don't like life and they have a peculiar way of explaining that and I wouldn't use a vernacular because it's vulgar but they have a way of speaking about life now because something has not worked for them and the truth is what they see in life Depends on the lamp or the window. How we look at people is affected by that window of our soul. Sometimes we are like the psalmist in 116th Psalm verse 11. He said, in my haste I said, all men are liars. How easy it is when our life becomes distorted and life gets a little smoky. That we look at people around us and we view them uh, in less of a manner than we ought to view them. We do not respect them as we ought to respect them. And we do not give them the courtesy of, uh, uh, of believing the best in them. How often it is in life that the window of our soul affects how we look at adversity. This is too much for me. Somebody said, I can't handle any more of this. I don't know why God is picking on me. And the truth is, all of that is because of the window of the soul. Amen. Somebody say, Amen. That window affects my ability to make good judgments. It affects my ability to make right decisions. It affects my ability to move in the right direction. Whether I appreciate what I have or not is affected by that window of my soul. I know a lot of people that are blessed far more than they deserve. I'm one of them. But I've seen a lot of people that felt like they deserved more And all of it was because the window of their soul had gotten somehow messed up and it was foggy. The smoke of life had had been allowed to affect them in such a way that they didn't see how blessed they really were. I remember when we went to Burma just a few years ago and stepped off of the plane. I, I was not prepared for what we saw there all of, not just the poverty, but the filth of that land and, uh, the impoverishedness of a regime that had suppressed people. We, we went down to the main heart of the city, like going into downtown. And there were potholes in the middle of the main streets that were as big as this middle aisle and two and three foot deep. And I, I looked at all of that and I looked back at where I come from and I think, you know what, God, we don't even know how good we have it. We don't have to worry. None of us had to worry about whether we were going to have food to put on our table. We didn't have to worry about whether we were going to have something to wear to church tonight. We just went in and selected one of many Hear me tonight, if you're not careful and I'm not careful, life can so smoke up our life that the window becomes obscured and we don't appreciate what we have. Somebody ought to say, thank you, God, for your blessings upon my life tonight. Amen. As bad as it may be for you right now, I promise you there's somewhere not long from you someone that's a hundred times worse than you are. If the lamp is clear and clean, we see correctly. But if it is not, if it is unhealthy, then there is a darkness that results in life. And we begin to view life in a dark manner. If the lamp, lamp uh, gives off smoke and, and life becomes smutted by that smoke, then our life is impaired. Oh, how important it is to understand Where we are and what we have. Whether I understand where I am in life and understand what God is doing in my life is affected by my window, my soul, and how I see things. When the lamp is clear... Uh, I I can make good judgments, but listen to me. When the lamp is impaired, when the lamp is unhealthy, when the window is not clear to my life and my soul, then moral issues become confused in life. Listen to me tonight. I'm not beating the air. When we live in a world that moral decadence is at its height, We live in a world where immorality and impurity is lampooned every day. And our world is sick, but we don't even know how sick we are. And the truth is the reason that our morals have been confused is because the window has been smutted over and light cannot get through. When there is a window that is unclear then not only are moral issues confused, but truth issues are debated and aborted. Amen. Truth issues. Things that have been steadfast and part of our life become optional. That's when the lamp becomes smutty and the window is unclear. When the window is unclear, not only... Is truth an issue, but holiness begins to be left out of people? Somebody asked me one time, Brother Hughes, do you believe is holiness a heaven or hell issue? They were trying to make me uh, say something. I don't know what they were looking for, but you know what? If you read the Bible, it really is a heaven or hell issue. The Bible said in Hebrews chapter 12, holiness Without which no man shall see the Lord. Now you interpret that to me and you help me understand that. According to what I understand, we're not going to see him without holiness. And I do understand that holiness is what is not what you wear. Holiness is what you are on the inside. It's what you are in your soul and what you are in the secret parts of your life. But you hear me tonight. If you are that on the inside, it's certainly going to show on the outside of your life. Amen. But when we live in a time when the windows are smutted up, it's hard to see that. That's why people can justify living any way they want to live. And how life can become so messed up and distorted. How important it is in this thing called life that we work from the best position. That we do not self-sabotage our own lives and our future. And that we don't make it easy for the enemy to take advantage of us. And we do that when we allow the window of our soul to become obscured. When we allow it to become foggy and covered with soot or whatever else life can cause to be there. I remember not too many weeks past, I was driving and uh, had just gotten into my truck. It had not been to the car wash in a few days and it looked like everything was all right. But I remember when I got in, the sun hit my windshield in a certain way and I was shocked. At the smut that was on the inside of my truck. I'm talking about that film. I mean, when when the bright sunshine is hitting you, you don't notice it quite as much. But when the cloud, you could see that. I reached up and I wiped that. I thought, my Lord, am I breathing out that kind of toxins? But that's life. You don't have to do a whole lot for that to happen. You just live and life has a way of smutting up the windows. You just get up in the morning and go to work and come home and go to bed. And if if you're not careful after a while, the windows become so obscure that you cannot receive the light that you need. And certainly if you don't receive the light you need, you can't do what you ought to do. The... uh, The eye affects life, how we see life, how we look at life. Whether we are victim or victor, it's all determined by the window of the soul. It affects the quality of my life. Whether my life is blessed or not is determined by that window of my soul. And it is imperative tonight that I know what it is to go back and clean that window on a regular basis. Because when that window is messed up, it affects my judgments. It affects my decision-making process. It affects my direction in life. And so I must always be aware of how critical that window is. Life gets distorted sometimes by all the smoke. And so we have to clean the windows. Jesus stated very clearly that life can be blessed or cursed depending on the clarity of that eye or window. The light of the body depends on the eye. The light of the soul depends on the heart. Amen. Somebody said amen. When I was looking at this passage of Scripture over the last few weeks, I don't remember when I first started being drawn toward it, but I began to wonder what darkens the windows of life.
1: What, what is it?
0: I mean, you don't have to be a sinner. You don't have to be a bad person for that to happen. I, I've seen good people that their life gets all messed up and out of sorts and they get off base and they get off track. What, how, how does that happen? How, what darkens the window of our soul? And I, When I begin to think about it, the first thing that came to my mind is certainly trials have a way of doing that. The things that we're going through, the adversities that we are facing, uh, the, the, the length of our trial. Like Job, if you go read the book of Job, you find that a righteous man, a good man, went through a period of time in his life where he didn't even know where God was and he didn't even know if God knew where he was at one point. And and he's fighting through all of the fog and trying to make sense of everything that was going on in his life. And it just kept going on and on and on. I I don't know where I read it, but somewhere, some place I read that probably the trial of Job's life lasted for over nine months. Nine months from the time that his children and wife His wife turned. His children were lost and all of his wealth was gone until God resolved the issue in his life. Nine long months of agony. Nine months of scraping himself because he has boils. And nine months of the misery of having to look at friends and friends look at him and question his integrity and wonder what's wrong in his life. Nine months of somebody putting him under the microscope and taking him apart piece by piece. Nine long months. No wonder Job said god i don't know where you are no wonder job said god i i can't find you i've looked on the right i've looked on the left i've looked behind me i've looked before me i don't know where you're at god but surely you know where i'm at no wonder job felt the way he felt trials have a way of doing that and when they go on you know i don't know of anybody that's gone through any short trials lately I don't know anybody that's gone through any week long trials. Everybody I'm dealing with going through, there, some trials have been going on for years. Some trials have been going on for. Months and weeks and it, it just every day you get up and you have to live with it. You've got to deal with it. You've got to face it. And you go to bed at night and you think maybe tomorrow will be different. But you get up the next day and you realize that the problem is still there and the and, and the burden is still on you. The trials of life have a way of darkening the windows of our soul and making us not see things as we ought to see them. And not only do those trials do do that but listen to me Our disadvantages or our handicaps have a way of darkening life's windows. And I want to tell you something, everybody in this building, every person that I'm dealing with today has some kind of handicap that we're dealing with. It may not be a physical malady. You may not have a crippled limb, but you're dealing with a disadvantage. Maybe you're having to raise grandchildren. Maybe you're having to deal with sick relatives. Or maybe there's some burden that's put on you from jobs or, or some expectation that life... or maybe your family and your marriage is not working or something else is wrong. I don't know anybody today that's not dealing with some kind of handicap, a business that wants to shut down, a corporation that wants to downsize, an economy that's so shaky that nobody knows what tomorrow, and a government that can't find their head if they started at their knees and worked up. And here we are in a situation... And we're wondering what in the world is going to happen next. All of us are dealing with handicaps of some kind. All of us. And those things have a way of wearing you down. They have a way of darkening life. They have a way of making life heavy. Amen. Heavy. But I'm going to tell you what I believe is the most devastating thing that can happen to any life. That can darken your life quicker than anything else. And that's pride. Pride. I talked with a man today. Whose life is headed in a direction. That's going to affect not only him. But his extended family. For years to come. And all of it could be averted. If he would just humble himself and submit himself again to the lord but pride has a way of working its way into all of our lives none of us are exempt from that we we get it, it's what keeps us from going to somebody and asking forgiveness it's what keeps one person on one side of the church and another person on the other side of the church and we learn to coexist it's nothing but pride it's nothing but this feeling that i deserve my bitterness or i deserve my anger or i deserve these feelings and the truth is pride darkens our soul quicker than anything pride is the most destructive force that i've ever dealt with in pastoring. It's the only thing that I've run up against that when people have it in their life and it's deeply ingrained, it's almost impossible to help them make any progress in their life. It's only when we humble ourselves, it's only when we are willing to admit our frailties and our humanity that we can really make progress but over and over and over and over again it's what keeps husbands and wives at odds with one another. It's what keeps children and parents at odds with one another. It's what keeps us from loving one another like we ought to love one another. It's nothing but pure, old-fashioned pride. And it darkens the soul. It darkens the window. And so it affects the light that comes in, and it affects my judgment. You know what needs to happen to me and to you? We need to come down off of our high horse. Amen. Amen, we do. It's like uh, Brother Sam Frank's young man as out of Life Tabernacle years ago. He was preaching somewhere in Louisiana, I think, or Arkansas. And one night they had interpretation. Tongues went out, and a lady stood up and interpreted. And it was basically a rebuke of the church. And the final words were, get ye down off ye high horse. Ye think ye smart, but ye not. And you know what? As crude as that statement is, that's really the truth about a lot of people. Amen. We just need to get down off of our high horse. You know what? The truth is none of us are here but by the grace of God. Amen. None of us are here but by the grace of God. And none of us deserve to be where we are right now. None of us. And pride has a way of darkening life. It'll keep you locked away in a chamber. It'll keep your heart locked up tight as a jug. And it'll keep you from enjoying a lot of things about life. Amen. I'm sure there's other things that darken the windows of life, but those three things are the things that I notice most often among people. But let me give you some things that will help clear those windows. Amen. Anybody here tonight interested in making sure the windows of your soul are clear? You want the right light. You want to make good judgments. You want to make right decisions. You want to make sure your life's headed in the right direction. You don't want to get messed up and off track. Let me tell you, very simply, it's it's so simple, it's astounding. But what clears the windows of my life, first of all, is just good old-fashioned repentance. Paul talked to the Corinthians in the second book of Corinthians about this godly sorrow. And he said of this godly sorrow, he said, what clearing of yourselves it has produced. There's something about when a man or a woman humbles themselves and they begin to repent, that it begins to clear away all of the fogginess. It clears away all of the smut, There had been so much immorality in the Corinthian church. I'm talking about incest, adultery, fornication, every kind of sexual sin you could imagine going on in the Corinthian church. Paul rebuked them. The church rebuked those that were involved in it. And then there was a great time of repentance. And Paul took note of that. He said, I want to say something about that. That godly sorrow is what you need in your life because that's what clears stuff out. That's what gets all of the junk out of your life. What has happened to us that we will not repent in this day what has happened to us, that we are not willing to humble ourselves and say, God, I'm sorry, I'm a sinner, I'm a failure. I don't know how to come in. I don't even know how to go out. I need your help, God. Do you know what I've learned? I've learned that I need an attitude of repentance in my life 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's the only thing that helps keep me between the boundaries. It's the only thing that keeps me balanced in my life is to maintain that attitude of repentance. Amen. The second thing that will clear the windows of your life is forgiveness. Praise God. Everybody say forgiveness. Oh, you didn't want me to talk about that, do you? But I need to. Forgiveness. One of the great problems that people have with the idea of forgiveness is that if I do that, I'm letting somebody go. And that's not true. When you forgive, you're not letting somebody go. You're letting something go. And you're letting God take control of it. You can't control people no more than I can control people. But if you learn to forgive them, you let God handle that. You release that from your hands. And you know what? You have to forgive as often as you repent. You do. 490 times or 499 times or a 1,000 times. He didn't mean a number. He meant that needs to be the attitude of your life. You need to have an attitude of forgiveness because life is going to be such that people are going to hurt you and you're going to hurt people. And if you don't know how to clean that up, if you don't know how to clean that up, if you don't know how to make that right, you're going to live a miserable life and you're going to miss out on a lot of blessings in life. We need to learn how to forgive. Let it go. Amen. Somebody say, let it go. Let it go. Put it in the hands of God. I read this week. I read actually just this morning that that what people do, they will not escape the consequences of what they do. What a man sows, that he shall also reap. Amen. So whatever it is, you think they're getting by. They're not getting by with anything. Amen. And you know the truth. When we get to heaven, I don't think we're going to ever look back and wish for anybody to be lost. I don't think when we get to heaven and we step through those gates that we're going we're to look around and say, I wish you were in hell. I wish you were in that other... I don't think. As a matter of fact, I think if we have any consciousness, we're gonna we're gonna wish that everybody was there. You know what? I don't want anybody to be lost. And as much as people have hurt me and they've hurt you, and they make you mad and you want to just snatch their head off and you want to you, you want to shoot them and tell God they died. I mean, all of that goes on in life. But you know what? The truth is, when you sit down and you look at eternity. I don't care how bad anybody's treated me. I don't want anybody to be lost. And you know what I have to do? I have to over and over and over and over and over and over over forgive, Lord. I forgive. I I don't want to hold them to that. I, I, I don't want that held to their account. I want you to mark that off, Lord. I want them to go free. Why? Because he did that for me. He didn't have to, but he did it for me. And you know what? I deserved what was on my record. I deserved everything. But he said, you know what? I'll take your charge. And he took it and nailed it to a cross. And he forgave me. Amen. Forgiveness will clear up life. It will clear up all of the fogginess that comes into life. Just learning how to forgive. Just let it go. God, it's in your hands. Amen. Something burdening you right now, just forgive it. Just let it go. Praise God. There's another thing that I found that clears the windows of life, and that's nothing but good old-fashioned worship. Amen. The psalmist said, My foot had almost slipped when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. I was so jealous and angry. I looked at life and I saw how unfair it was until I went to the house of the Lord. And when he got in the house of the Lord and he began to worship, everything changed. His perspective of life changed. How many times? How many times have I come in to this place and my heart was so heavy and my spirit so down? And I walked in here and made myself lift my hands and I began to worship him. I begin to praise Him. I begin to thank Him. And all of a sudden, the whole perspective of life and the situation began to change. And it didn't matter anymore. It really doesn't matter. It, you know what? When we get to eternity, we're going to look back and 99% of the stuff that we thought was life-threatening, we're going to laugh at. Amen. I'm telling you, we're going to look back and we're going to realize that none of that was life threatening. It was life making. It was those things that helped bring us to where we were. And when we get five years down the road, there's stuff that we're stressed out about tonight that aren't go- it's not going to matter a hillaby. We won't even remember what it is that we're worried about tonight five years from now or less than that. For me, it wouldn't take but six months or less, bad as my memory is right now. Oh, but what worship can do, what it can do in your life, how it can transform. Praise God. Worship is an acknowledgment that He is Lord. He's Lord of my life. He's Lord of my situations. He's Lord of every circumstance. And so when you worship Him, what you are doing is letting Him know, God, God, I trust you. I don't know how you're going to get me through this. I don't know how long this is going to last. But I know there's an end. I know you put a boundary on all of this. You're not going to let me suffer always. I'm not going to be in a storm all of my life. At some point, there's going to be an end to all this. And God, I just wanted you to know tonight, I trust you. However you work out the details of my life, however you plan this, however you want it to work, God, I trust you. That you're going to do the right thing in my life. And I worship you. Amen. I worship you. I praise you. I magnify you. Amen. It will clear up a lot of stuff in your life. Just learn how to praise him. Learn how to worship him again. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all thy benefits. Woo. Who forgiveth all mine iniquities, who healeth all my diseases, who crowneth my life with loving kindness and tender mercies, so that my youth is renewed like the eagle. Bless the Lord, O oh, my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Oh, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad oh magnify the lord with me and let us exalt his name together this poor man cried and you heard my cry and you delivered me from all my troubles i tell you tonight folks when you learn again how to praise him and you learn how to be a worshiper again in life it'll clear up a lot of stuff hallelujah Oh, it'll let light shine in. You, you, you'll feel the purity of that light. And you'll receive every benefit that life affords you. Amen. Let's stand together and let's worship Him right now. Hallelujah. Oh, I love you, Lord. I worship you. I bless you, Lord, tonight. I praise you, Lord. 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 I praise you.